everyone and welcome to this edition of the Annals of the Rheumatic Diseases podcast. I am Elena Nikiforu, Social Media Advisor for ARD, Rheumatologist and Clinical Researcher at King's College London. I am delighted to introduce our special guest for this podcast, Professor Stanley Cohen. Professor Cohen is a clinical professor of internal medicine at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical School, director of rheumatology at the Presbyterian Hospital and co-medical director at the Metroplex Clinical Research Center in Dallas, USA. Professor Cohen is the lead author of the article in ARD entitled Similar Efficacy, Safety, Immunogenicity of Adalimumab Biosimilar Candidate BI695501 and Humira reference product in patients with moderately to severely active rheumatoid arthritis. Results from the Phase 3 Voltaire Array study. Professor Cohen, thank you for accepting our invitation. Well, thank you for having me. I would like to begin by asking you, why is this study important? I think this study is important because uh, it demonstrates, uh, along with the preclinical work that was done, that uh, this uh, biosimilar adalimumab uh, is highly similar to the originator adalimumab and, uh, you know, will provide another uh, treatment option and hopefully lead to a reduction in the cost of these very expensive, however, very effective uh, biologic therapies. So this was the uh, pivotal phase three trial, the one single clinical trial that's required in a uh, biosimilar pathway for approval and uh, met uh, its uh, primary endpoints. Can you tell us a little bit about the biosimilar product and the study and the preclinical work related to this? Right. So um, this is a biosimilar to adalimumab. And uh, before you get to the clinical trial, there is a rigorous process to demonstrate uh, very high similarity between the uh, biosimilar and the originator so that you can demonstrate there's no clinically meaningful differences in the molecules. They all have the same amino acid structure, but uh, as you know, these are complex proteins that uh, are use cell culture to be produced, and there are minor variations that occur in the molecule. So the proof of the evidence is that you have to show these minor changes in charge or glycosylations or fucosylations uh, that they have no impact on the function of the molecule. So a great deal of preclinical work is done demonstrating highly similar structure and then looking at multiple batches of the originator adalimumab and multiple batches of the biosimilar, um, they are evaluated head-to-head in various type of functional assays such as FC-gamma binding, uh, such as TNF uh, binding, TNF neutralization, and so forth. And the pre-specified uh, criteria have been established by the regulatory agencies around the world that are required to uh, meet, be met to demonstrate uh, similarity. So uh, this particular biosimilar adalimumab went through multiple tests and was demonstrated prior to even getting to the clinic that it was highly similar uh, to the originator adalimumab, not only in structure, but as well as function. And how was the Voltaire Array trial designed then? Well, it was a head-to-head equivalence trial. Uh, looking at the ACR20 response, and the regulatory agencies had slightly different uh, criteria, looking at 12 weeks, so it was a co-primary endpoint at 12 and 24 weeks, looking at the uh, risk difference of achieving an ACR20, 
and uh, pre-specified equivalence boundaries were set uh, by the regulatory agency based on uh, meta-analysis of placebo-controlled trials in the past, trying to maintain at least 50% of the effect size of the originator adalimumab to placebo. And so it was a head-to-head -head trial in patients with moderate to severe rheumatoid arthritis who could have taken one biologic, about a quarter took one previous biologic, but no previous adalimumab, obviously. And all were on background uh, methotrexate, and they were followed for 24 weeks initially in a blinded fashion. And from week 24 uh, to 48, patients who were on adalimumab were blindly uh, randomized either to the uh, biosimilar adalimumab or continued the originator uh, adalimumab so that we could learn a little bit about switching a single switch from the originator. You've mentioned the ACR20 there. Were there any other primary and, or secondary endpoints? Well, there were multiple other uh, secondary endpoints, including the ACR50 and 70. Uh, the ULAR response was looked at. The change in the DAS28 was looked at. Individual components of the ACR response uh, uh, were looked at, such as swollen tender joints, uh, patient-reported uh, outcomes, SF36, and so forth. Perhaps you can share with us the key findings from this study. Well, the key finding is that the biosimilar adalimumab was found to be equivalent in ACR20 response at uh, both week 12 and week 24 and maintained through uh, week 58 of follow-up. Uh, as far as all other efficacy parameters, change in DAS, uh, ULAR response, individual components of the ACR response, again, very similar uh, clinical response uh, with the changes in the DAS score overlapping. As far as safety, there were no major differences in safety, uh, whether looking at uh, adverse events, serious adverse events, serious infectious events, and so forth. No uh, significant difference in laboratory abnormalities that we would expect to see with the originator adalimumab. One of the most important aspects of developing a uh, biosimilar is to look at immunogenicity, because one of the concerns is that the newer molecules uh, may result in different uh, levels of antibodies, neutralizing antibodies to the molecule than that may have been seen with the originator. And thankfully, in this study, the rates of um, anti-drug antibodies as well as neutralizing antibodies were similar uh, between the biosimilar and the originator uh, molecule. And so, again, this is further evidence looking at the totality of the evidence to suggest that um, this molecule is a biosimilar adalimumab. And just a question that comes to mind, why was this a clinical equivalence and not a non-inferiority trial? Originally, when they were looking at developing biosimilars, there was some discussion about using non-inferiority, but the uh, regulatory agencies felt that um, it was important uh, uh, to do equivalence trials. We really aren't developing biobetters. We're not looking for molecules that are superior, and therefore you might meet the non-inferiority boundary but not but be superior. We really want molecules which uh, are, uh, as best we can tell by the statistical analysis, equivalent to the originator molecule. And um, could you explain in simple language, also for our non-academic clinical audience, the process of fulfilling criteria statistically for therapeutic equivalence? Well, that, that's tough. That's even hard for uh, a physician to understand. But uh, basically, generally these are developed, these, the boundaries for equivalence are developed uh, by looking at uh, multiple studies of the originator compared to placebo and looking at the delta which in most of the studies with um, adalimumab is in the range of 30 to 35 percent uh, delta uh, for the ACR20 or the difference between the ACR20 between the placebo and active molecule. 
And uh, therefore, it was felt that if you can maintain about 50% of that differential uh, benefit, that that's probably within the range of the variation with individual patients. And as long as they fall in the plus or minus 15% uh, range for the actual risk difference, the actual point difference of the ACR response, then most likely that's a real observation and suggests that this is uh, would demonstrate equivalency. So it's a t difficult concept to understand, uh, but there is uh, some sound statistical basis behind it, but it really based, is based on what was seen previously in the placebo controlled trials with the originator adalimumab and what you think might be the natural variation in response. A commonly expressed concern is whether there is an increase in immunogenicity related to the act of switching. You've talked a little bit about immunogenicity already, but would you mind highlighting what this study showed with respect to this? Well, I think uh, the important thing is that it did show that uh, the rates of immunogenicity and the titers of the antibodies uh, that occurred were uh, very similar between uh, the uh, biosimilar adalimumab and the originator. The rates of antibodies were higher than what we've seen in the past, but this has been seen with all of the biosimilars that have been developed and approved because we now have much better uh, anti-drug antibody assays that can measure antibodies in the setting of serum levels of the drug. In the past, you couldn't uh, detect these antibodies if there was detectable uh, blood level, serum levels of the therapy. So our rates are higher, but the important thing is that the rates of the anti-drug antibodies and the neutralizing antibodies uh, were similar between the two compounds. We did see the phenomenon which you expect to see with anti-drug antibodies, which was lower trough levels and a modest reduction in the clinical response, um, not to the degree that we've seen previously with the older assays, which were less sensitive, but there was some dampening down of the clinical response as well. The important point here is that, again, the rates between the biosimilar and the originator were similar. I do have a question just for clarification, really. Looking at the baseline clinical characteristics of the patients in the study, if patients were on previous um, treatment with adalimumab bio-original or adalimumab biosimilar, they were excluded. But how come there was a proportion of patients with anti-drug antibodies and neutralizing anti-drug antibodies at baseline? Yeah, that's uh, always interesting and intriguing. We've seen this with uh, almost all the biosimilar uh, studies and then now with novel therapies. There's always a small percentage of people who have antibodies that may be cross-reactive with anti-drug antibodies. Uh, we don't have a good explanation. This, you could say this is maybe the false positive rate of these very sensitive assays, but there's always a, a few percentage of patients, uh, and that's been seen with all of the biosimilars, who might have baseline anti-drug antibodies that you would not expect to be the case. Um. Are there any other parts in the study that you would like to highlight as particularly important? Well, I think the other part that's important is the week 24 to 48 with the blinded switch from originator adalimumab to biosimilar and, and the maintenance of benefit that was seen, uh, no increase in immunogenicity with the switch, and no increase in adverse events. So uh, we do know that it, at least with a single switch that there was no impact on uh, the therapeutic response. Uh, we don't know what the future holds when uh, multiple adalimumab biosimilars are on the market. And I know in the United States, we expect in our marketplace that patients may end up on uh, multiple different uh, biosimilar adalimumabs over years, uh, primarily for cost savings. And uh, we're still looking at um, that issue and, and will this be an issue for patients and lead to reduction in benefit and risk and risk of side effects. Uh, we really don't have 
yet hear uh, any interchangeable designation, but we do fully expect that insurers in the United States will require you know, non-medical switches. And so that remains a concern about multiple switches, but this study at least confirmed that a single switch uh, was not associated with concerns. So um, touching a little bit more on that, and to your opinion, are there still unanswered questions relating to the specific biosimilar product? I don't think there's any issues related to this specific biosimilar product, nor to the other approved adalimumab biosimilar. I think with the totality of the evidence, the preclinical work, which is so rigorous, and actually with all the biosimilars, it's the preclinical work that we as clinicians depend on to demonstrate uh, very similar or nearly equivalent uh, uh, proteins. Uh, I, I, think, I don't think there's any concerns about this particular uh, biosimilar adalimumab, and I think that uh, the sponsor did a good job of uh, weaving its way through the regulatory pathway to demonstrate uh, equivalency of the molecule. And finally, um, again, you've touched a, a bit on this earlier, but how do you think this study will change clinical practice then? Well, I think, uh, you know, it depends on where you are in the world. Uh, no question that uh, in Europe, um, uh, depending on the country, biosimilars have had a huge impact or not much impact. Uh, in uh, North America, uh, we presently just have two infliximab biosimilars available. Uh, we're beginning to see a, some reduction in cost, uh, even though the uh, originator companies have done everything in their way to keep them off the market and have, uh, uh, through their rebate, rebate system in the North America, bizarre insurance system, have been able to reduce uh, utilization of the biosimilars. But I truly believe that there are, uh, last time I checked, uh, 11 total biosimilar adalimumabs under development. And once we have seven or eight uh, biosimilar adalimumabs, I think hopefully a cost war will break out in our part of the world, and we will see a substantial reduction in cost. What concerns we have here, uh, where we have a, a fragmented healthcare system, is will this really lead to a reduction in cost to an individual patient or reduction in the rate of increase in the cost of health insurance in our country? Will that be, will these cost savings be passed on? Uh, we have concerns that may not happen. Certainly in a single payer system, uh, such as some of the country in Europe, there's been significant cost savings already. The only reason to use a biosimilar is that it's cheaper. Uh, so what we hope to see, this is again, again will translate into uh, uh, less cost to the system and hopefully less cost to the patient as well. Absolutely. And I think um, certainly these are very reassuring data um, that we've got here. And indeed, as you say, given that cost is a barrier to effective biologic demand use in many countries, certainly the introduction of less costly biosimilar um, drugs is likely to improve access to these agents and also hopefully to reduce some treatment inequalities. Professor Cohen, thank you very much for your time and for sharing the details and your insights into this study. Thank you also to our audience for listening and please note that you can read the full paper on the ard.bmj.com website.